Welcome to C3 Church Central Coast Sermon Cast. We pray that you'll be inspired and impacted by this message and trust that you're better equipped to live your best life. Now, I'd like to read a, a portion of Scripture from the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 3. How are you going? Good so far. About another hour or two. Oh, we finished. If you're visiting, that was a joke. We don't go that long. Now, just before what I read this passage, the Apostle Paul has been writing to the church in Philippi about how successful he'd been before he became a Christian. And he outlines how he had established himself in a very distinguished role in Jewish society, how his family background was impeccable, how well-educated he was, how he, basically he had arrived. He was, he was very successful. He was in a great position in the eyes of people. And then he writes in verse 7 of Philippians 3, but... Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own, that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. I want to be found in him, and I'm putting my faith in Christ. I just want you to listen to those terms, in Christ, found in him. Those phrases are found a number of times throughout the New Testament, and it describes the position that Paul found his life in now, the state of being and the state of living that he was celebrating and promoting and putting out there as this is the way you should live. This was his identity now. And his life, of course, had changed radically. You know, he had found himself in a successful position in society, but now he realises and says that that's rubbish. It was just comparatively nothing. Just worth nothing, no matter what the world may have thought, no matter how fancy his role was and how good he felt about himself, he realised now from a heavenly perspective, from God's eyes, that's worth nothing. It's just He says, I consider it rubbish. My goal now is just to be found in him. I don't care about the in the world position. I just want to be in Jesus. And note this, these letters, all the New Testament letters that Paul wrote, they weren't found years later in an attic or a dungeon or some cave, his private personal diaries. These were public letters. These were letters that he wrote to churches and to individuals with God's hand leading him and God's intention for people to read them publicly and for us to have them centuries, millennia later, for our benefit. Because God was leading him to say, This is how you should live. Paul's saying, this is what I've found out. You need to find it out too. And so the question is, where am I? What position am I in? And I want you to think today, can I say like he he did, am I found in Christ? Because there's a lot of options to find yourself in, a lot of positions in life, a lot of situations you can find yourself in. You know, um, many of us have jobs, and that's a good thing. 
Uh, and so people talk about the position that they're in, in their workplace. You know, I've worked hard and I've been promoted and I've I found a great, great job and, and I'm finally in the right position. I'm finally in the right role. Or maybe I'm not. Maybe it's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just not right in the, I'm not in the right place for me. And there's a struggle and a thought about my work and, and people have their identity hinged and hitched up to their work a lot of the time. Hi, what's your name? What do you do? You know, straight away, what do you do? Oh, you're a, oh, you're a something. And oh, that means you've got a big brain or you've got big muscles or you must have a big bank account or you, you know, sort of, you know, depending on, and we, well, that's the role that they're in and that can be some people's identity. And other people uh, are into sport. Great outdoors, Australia, we love our sport. And for some, it might even be a career. Their sport, you know, for others it's just a fun, you know, activity, recreational pursuit. But we hear those terms, in the zone. I was playing in the moment. He's playing in good form. You know, uh, I don't want to talk about rugby today. Let's talk about cricket. Um, I don't know why it comes to mind, just because maybe Australia looking good in the test against New Zealand. Um, you know, my brother who was with us yesterday, uh, was a very good cricketer, had a very long first-grade amateur but top-level cricket career, and he was a terrorisingly fast bowler. He used to have great figures like, you know, six for 18 or something, and the whole team would just be skittled sometimes. And, uh, and I say that that's my excuse. I could have been a contender. I was a hopeless cricketer because my brother terrorised me in the backyard and put me off batting forever, you know. But often they would say, oh, watch out for Brownie. My brother, not me, you know, because he's in really good form. And, he, and, he, and, and he's not a big guy, but he, in fact, he even looks physically and bowled like Glenn McGrath. Okay, not quite as good, but had a, quite a similar bowling action. And, uh, and so, you know, he, he would, as I say, that's the reason I <laughs> had to give up cricket because he was too scary to play against. Um, but we talk about sports people being, you know, in good form, in the zone. Um, and then, of course, overall lifestyles, you could say, oh, I'm living in a, in a comfortable position, in comfortable surrounds. Some people would say, I'm in a nice neighbourhood. I'm in a nice home. I might even be in the lap of luxury. And so there's a lot of places we can be in. And some aren't so nice. You could say, oh, I'm in a bit of a state. People say, oh, I'm in a tiz. I'm a bit of a tiz. What's a tiz? I'm a bit of a tiz. I'll tell you what a tiz is. It's organising a wedding. I don't know why that example comes to mind either, but people say, I'm in a bit of a state. Ah, have we got enough of this? And we have to drive down to Kilcare again. You know? And I used to think Kilcare was just over the road, but yeah, anyway, um, if I just stop preaching today and stare blankly into space or just collapse and fall asleep, you'll, you'll know we've had a big week. Um, you know, but some people quite seriously are in in a rut in their life, even in a state of despair. All these terms talking about where their life is, where we live, how we find ourselves, and we need to find ourselves in Christ. You know, especially if you've got felt and understood needs and problems, but even if you don't, even if you are in a nice home, in a good job, in amongst the wickets or, you know, in, in a good zone, in a good position. We're all called to live in Christ, to have our faith in him, to be found in him, to put our life in his hands. And um, 
You know, St. Augustine discovered this. Uh, and he wasn't always called St. Augustine. And you may know uh, something of his life, especially if you've read his autobiography, because about 4th century AD he wrote about his life. And he describes his spiritual unrest and searching. He was born in northern Africa, which is, I think, modern-day Algeria now. And he was, a, um, a, he was the son of a, a Christian woman. His dad wasn't a Christian, but his mum was. And she prayed earnestly for him. Uh, but he, he became a scholar. He was very intelligent. And then his dad died, but a Roman uh, wealthy man paid for him with a scholarship to keep on his studies way over in Carthage. So he left his family home and then ended up in Rome and he had this great career as a teacher, very distinguished, but he lived a very worldly, immoral lifestyle. And his mother was still praying, so he, could, he had this tension going on where he's living it up and he was in a good position in the world, but he felt the call of God calling him away. And uh, one day he was visited by a, an official named Pontician. And Pontician, this Roman official, brought out a book and it was the letters of the Apostle Paul, which had only been around for a couple of hundred years at that time. And he described his own struggles and said that he had recently discovered faith in Christ. And Augustine was rattled. He wrote later that he was so agitated, he ran out of the room. And he ran outside and he heard some children playing. And they were singing a little song over the... Uh, little wall he heard these voices singing pick it up and read pick it up and read and it got inside his brain and his spirit and he was agitated again so he ran inside and took it as a word from God to literally pick it up and read and he started reading the apostle Paul's letters and he wrote years later that at that moment there was infused in my heart something like the light of full certainty and at that moment, he became born again and committed to Christ and found himself in Christ after many years. Great lesson for mums. Many years of prayer. Her prayers were answered. And, of course, he went on to become one of Christian, Christianity's greatest leaders and writers and uh, had, you know, articulated for generations to come some great basic Christian doctrines, including the doctrine of original sin, the fact that we all make mistakes from birth and that we can't get better or can't overcome sin's power by human effort alone, but only by the grace of God. So why do I tell you all that? Because he found the need to be in Christ. He realized he couldn't get his life sorted on his own, and he wrote these famous words, God, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. You've heard that perhaps. What a great statement. Our hearts will always be restless until they find rest in Christ, in him. And so that was Augustine's story, and it can be ours and should be ours too. That, you know, whatever. Because people are always looking for themselves. You know what I'm saying? You know, people, I met people traveling. Ian and I have met people traveling around Asia. And, uh, and they're looking for themselves. And Augustine found himself when he found himself in Christ. You know, you don't have to get on a plane or, you know, wear dreadlocks and, you know, kind of be a hippie and, and, and uh, well, that's just one avenue, you know, because I'm just thinking of the Asian backpackers. I mean, I half did it. I was, you know, 
as a Christian, you know, as a young man and did a little bit of that backpacking thing. And we've seen it every time we go back. You see the whole, you know, waves of... And the, 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 the thing is, people always want to go to get away from it all and go to the place that no one's discovered. But then someone, you know, tells someone and then that place becomes the next discovered place. So half the time, by the time they get there, it's like, wow, everybody's here. I thought, you know, <laughs> and there's hotels and highways. So they go to the next place where they think there's only, you know, a couple of bungalows and... Uh, you know, anyway, so when people searching, and it you know might be materialism or hippie travelling or whatever. You know, we're finding, trying to find out who we are, find ourselves, and we find ourselves when we find ourselves in Christ. And it's not just, it's not just about identity. It's not just about you know some theological technical concept. It's about knowing the most amazing person in the universe, isn't it? We don't just talk about oh, I'm found in Christ. Right, I like that term. I have my faith in God. You know. Uh, we're talking about knowing Jesus. He's the only perfect person to have ever walked the face of the earth. And we can get to know him. We don't get to hang out with him physically like the early disciples did, but neither did Paul. They say that Paul may have seen Jesus, but he certainly wasn't a follower of Jesus until Jesus died, was risen, rose again, went to heaven, and then appeared to Paul. So Paul, this great relationship that he has with Christ, is the same that you and I can have. He's not Peter and... John and the guys that a few you know, pages earlier were walking around in the Gospels with Jesus, this is later on. And so that's pretty cool. And people think it's cool to meet, you know, celebrities, rock stars. But we get to meet Jesus. We should be awestruck by that. I love the story um, of a lady many years ago in a little town in America who went in to buy an ice cream from the ice cream shop. She bought her ice cream, and let me just make sure I get my facts right, because she didn't tell me this, I've never met her, but I read about it. Um, And uh, she she buys her ice cream, and she turns around, and there, right in front of her, is Paul Newman. Now, this is a long time ago, so young people, you may not even know who he is, except for salad dressing, you know, but he was at the time the number one movie star and heartthrob of all the ladies and he was in her little town making a film. So this is not Hollywood. This is some little back town. And she buys her ice cream. And there he is. And he simply smiles and says, hello. And his radiant blue eyes cause her knees to start shaking. And she managed to pay for her ice cream. And she left the shop with her heart pounding. And when she regained her composure, she realized... She didn't have her ice cream cone. And so she turned back into the store, and there was Paul Newman again. Are you looking for your ice cream? He asked. And she nodded, unable to speak, and he calmly just said, "Um, you put it in your purse with your change. (laughs) True story. Isn't that awesome? You bought the ice cream. (laughs) And... And then there, she's like, ah, oh, of course I did. And this is an ice cream cone, yeah, not wrapped up. Just, oh, that's a great story, you know. And but the thing is, people go weak at the knees when they meet a movie star because they've been promoted as being someone special. But we are designed not to be awestruck by any other human, 
but by Jesus, by God. And we can have encounters with him. Just like that woman meeting Paul Newman going weak at the knees. And, you know, we should when we're singing and Leah, you know, oh, how, you know, those sort of songs. And without the songs, at any moment, just praying, connecting in the morning, in the evening, just before we go to sleep, just when you first wake up around the word, just at any moment we can have an awe-inspiring moment with the creator of the universe when we're found in him. And, uh, and that's pretty cool. So living in Christ gives us a sense of identity, a true home in life. It, it, it's a connection with Jesus, a great relationship, personal relationship. But finally, let me just say this. It makes a real difference in our everyday life. And in a couple of weeks... December the 18th, we'll have our celebration Thanksgiving service in the morning. In the evening, we've got our carol service. In the morning, we've got a few people that will just testify about how things have been going as they walk with God in the house of God, in Christ, and how wonderful he is and how great changes occur in our lives. And you would have your own stories when you've been following the Lord and in this community of faith. We have this happening all the time with our praise reports that we talk about and how people's lives are improved. And, you know, uh, right throughout history, there's countless testimonies of people who say, because my life is now in Christ, in God's hands, it's more fulfilling, it's more enjoyable, and it's it's just even more productive. You know, you can read about uh, great... uh, world leaders, statesmen, inventors, scientists, uh, people who have achieved things, and the humble ones admit that they needed God's help, that they drew on God's wisdom and strength and, and uh, ideas and light. Uh, and the smart ones write about it. They, and so I read recently uh, about Samuel Morse. You've heard of Morse code? You may think, oh, that's a bit archaic, you know, but it revolutionized communication. When it first came out, people would wait weeks or months for a a letter to be sent. But with Morse code, they could send a message via the dots and the dashes and it could get within seconds across the world. And in fact, I saw, interestingly, a uh, TV show that was getting some young guys with their phones texting and some old blokes with Morse code and they gave them a message, and they had one guy sending, one guy receiving on the other side of the studio, and they said, here's the message, ready, go. And Morse code won as far as speed. It was fast, bam. And the young blokes were devastated. They just thought, what? These old fogies and their funny little, you know, it's hilarious. But anyway, Samuel Morse uh, was asked by a friend one day, hey, when you were experimenting, did you ever come to an absolute deadlock, not knowing what to do? Morse replied, more than once. His friend said, what did you do then? Morse shared a secret. He said, at that point, I would get on my knees and pray. And I prayed for light and light came. And when my inventions were acknowledged by flattering honours from America and Europe, I said, not unto me, O Lord, not unto me, but under thy name, I give you the glory. And interestingly, and that probably explains why, the very first message that he sent across the Atlantic read, what God has wrought, what God has done. Not what I've done, but what God has done in and through me with 
you know, being in Christ and having practical application. I love that autobiography of um, R.G. Letourneau, mover of men and mountains. I haven't read it for some time, but he wrote, sorry, he built uh, like Caterpillar Company, a lot of earth-moving machines. It's so non-PC. It was written back in the 50s. And you've got pictures, you know, Jungle Crusher. Yeah. It was one of their great machines. Very successful. We can wipe out a quarter of Brazil in a weekend. Yeah. You know, and it was all, you know, and that was at the time. Good for you. Great. We'll buy one of those machines. Yeah. You know, let's kill a forest. You know, we need some more wood. It's hilarious. You know, but I'm sure, but when he, in that book, he writes about God giving him inventions, even the wheels from Ezekiel, the way the turn and the cogs and the engineering people would have tried to figure that one out. But, uh, you know, there's divine practical help for your business, for your life, for your marriage, for your job, for your studies, for you still got to study, still got to work. You know, but you don't just go in. Well, the pastor said God will help me. I'm just not going to study and go to the beach. And Lord, here it is. Like Hudson Taylor when he went to China and he learnt Chinese and all the guys that wanted to go in as missionaries had a look at it and thought, Flip, that's too hard, we're believing for tongues. And they true, they'd get to China and they'd say, Well Lord, here we are. Give me Chinese. Oh yabba dabba do and all the Chinese are, What are you doing? They go, Oh come on, Lord, we want tongues, we want Chinese tongues, you know. And they just didn't want to do the hard yards. And so they yeah, well they just put their fake ponytail between their legs and went uh, because they did, they, they, you know, they stuck them on to make them look like locals, and but they had to go back to the books. Anyway, I'm getting distracted. Stop it. You're distracting me. So we need to find ourselves in Christ. And just a couple of final thoughts. Sorry, 20 past 11, official one. What am I saying? A couple more books of notes. Uh, you know, Eleanor's wedding yesterday to Caleb, it's a wonderful experience. But as I said, kind of freaky for a first-time father of the bride because it makes me feel old. Ruth and I are doing the bridal dance, thinking, doesn't seem that long ago we were the bride and groom. Whoa, we're the parents of the bride. This is really weird, you know. But don't you laugh because you're all getting older too. We're all getting old. And, um, and, and it's sobering. You know, the Bible says life is but a breath. Listen to what David says in Psalm 39. Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting is my life. You've made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Each man's life is but a breath. Man is a mere phantom. As he goes to and fro, he bustles about, but only in vain. He heaps up wealth, not knowing who will get it. But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. Where? In you. My hope is in God. That's where we've got to be, in God. And, and I will finish soon, but let me tell you one more story. Um, a few years ago, Ruth and I had the opportunity to visit the Colosseum in Rome after we'd been in Russia. Uh, and, um, you know, it was the most amazing amphitheater of its time. And even today, it would be considered a stunning architectural achievement. You could fit 60,000 people in there. OH&S probably make it about 200 these days, but, you know, they, they squeezed them in. Uh, and, no, it's, it's, it's really quite amazing, quite amazing. Did I say it's amazing? It's really amazing. It's big. Uh, and they would, you know, watch all the gladiatorial fights and games and stuff, and the, and the very best seats of the house were reserved 
for the Roman senators. These guys were at the top of the pile, top of their game, in the best position in society. And they would have their names carved on the seats. And they'd come in, their Roman toga, and they would just, you know, have all the crowd acknowledge them. But then, of course, they would die. And their name would be chiseled out. And another name would be chiseled in. And interestingly, when you go there, you can... And I was just struck. I saw the names of the senators whose names were the final ones to be recorded before it went into ruin. And they've been there for 1,500 years. And their names are still there. But they've gone long ago. And they had their moment, their time in the sun. They had... And I'm thinking, wow, your name is still here, but, but you aren't. And who cares? I don't know Claudius from Julius, from, you know, Marcus III or whoever they were. They're, they're all, they're just, they're just historical words. And, uh, you know, I read the Psalm of David and I see situations like that. And I think, wow, you know, it, it doesn't matter what the world offers. We all have our opportunities. And the greatest opportunity is for us not to have our name written in stone or written on some worldly honor book. We get our name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And those who are in Christ are the only ones who have their name. That's the name that Jesus has for the book, recording all those who put their faith in him. And that's up to us, our decision. And the choice is up for us. Is up to us and it affects eternity, our position in eternity. And eternity is waiting for us, but we don't have to wait till then to realize our need for him and to know that we need to be found in Christ. And as I said, there's practical applications for us while we're still here and blessings for us to make sure that's my identity. That's where I'm going. Every day, Lord, wherever I might find myself in, in the traffic, you know, in the boring lecture theater, you know, trying to learn how to look like the lecturer thinks I'm studying but actually sleeping. We've all learned that. You know. Or, you know, in a tiz, in a chaos, in a, you know, I want to be in Christ. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this message and feel challenged and encouraged. Please let others know about this free podcast so they too can grow and learn to live their best life. You can find out more about our church and ministries at www.c3cc.org.au God bless you.